Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Egan, and I'm from the School of Psychology in Curtin University in Perth in Australia. We were really interested in what was the relationship between self-compassion and anxiety and depression in young people, and were interventions that focused on increasing self-compassion effective for young people. And we did a review of the literature and we consulted with young people and we found um, strong evidence for the link between self-compassion. Um, the more self-compassionate you are as a young person, the less likely you are to be anxious and depressed. And we also found across uh, intervention studies, there is some evidence for the effectiveness of the studies in reducing anxiety and depression in young people. So take us back to the start then. Tell us why you decided to focus on this, because you said earlier that you weren't a self-compassion researcher. What got you into this in the first place? Yeah, so I come at this area really from the perfectionism background. So my research has been in um, various different formats, looking at the efficacy of treatments for perfectionism, um, including in young people. So over about 10 years, myself and Ross Shaffron in the UK and Tracy Wade in Australia, we've been looking at the treatment of perfectionism. And within that, we have uh, a focus on increasing self-compassion because what we found in young people and in adults as well, that that feeling of I'm not good enough um, is really you know, linked obviously to anxiety and depression and that trying to increase one's self-compassion is a really important component when we see young people um, with perfectionism. So that's what got me interested in self-compassion. Uh, we did another review, one of the other active ingredients reviews on perfectionism, and then I was also interested in looking at self-compassion more specifically. So help us just describe what some of these things are. You talk about perfectionism you also talk in the review about self-criticism and then this mm -hmm. positive self-compassion so what are these different things yeah well and this is um it's kind of confusing i think from outside of the area it's it's very specific i would say that there and there's very varying ways of defining these perfectionism maybe i'll start with the thing i know <laughs> best um we talk about the idea of one's self-worth, um, you know, being based on striving and achievement. I'm only good enough if I do well in the areas that are important to me, whether that's work or sport or appearance, whatever's important to the person. So that, that really, I think, uh, covers perfectionism. And self-criticism is something that seems to be important across the literature in both perfectionism and self-compassion. And really, you know, I would talk about self-criticism as being hard on oneself. You know, I'm, um, I'm a screw-up, I'm a failure, those sorts of negative cognitions. Um, self-compassion, I think, is kind of viewed probably primarily in two camps. There's Neff's view, an American researcher, Kristen Neff, and she talks about sort of three domains of self-compassion, um, including self-kindness, um, things like common humanity uh, and mindfulness. So the ideas within that are quite technical, but really just talk about understanding that you're not alone in your suffering is one component of what she says, being kind to oneself as opposed to being self-critical or self-judgmental, and mindfulness, a lot, a lot of the sort of treatment approach 
her approach, NIF's approach, is mindfulness-based and it's really about being able to react in difficult times of anxiety and depression with a mindful approach. So that, that's sort of one way. And then I guess there's Paul Gilbert's um, model or definitions of self-compassion, which differ again, and he talks about different ideas to NEF um, and really just talks, I think, uh, about what we reviewed was courage and wisdom. So having the courage to face difficult emotional states and finding a wise way of dealing with them. And that can involve some components of mindfulness and I would say quite strongly cognitive therapy technique. And I'm interested in what the young people you spoke to thought of those negative terms like self-criticism and perfectionism and the positive aspects of those. Because I guess, you know, if you're self-critical, that means you're driving yourself on to achieve more. It's, it's not a simple kind of that's bad, this is good kind of thing, is it? No, that's right. I think the thing that stood out to me a lot was that almost all of the young people that we talked to talked about being self-critical. But very much like we see in the perfectionism area, they see self-criticism is really important to helping them achieve their goals. And, you know, one of the things we talk about in perfectionism is, well, you know, basically the barriers to treatment, that if you think that you have to be really hard on yourself to do well, then that's going to be hard to give up. So I think that's what they were very much highlighting that um, self-criticism helps them achieve and they don't like the idea of being kind to themselves. So they didn't like the term sort of self-kindness, um, that idea of, you know, um, if I'm nice to myself somehow, I'm just going to, you know, not achieve or not do well. I need to be hard on myself um, to do well. So that was really interesting, I think. And, you know, even just interesting ones like someone brought up when one young person didn't like the term intervention that made them think of, like, you know, TV movies, like a drug intervention, you know, taking someone off to a rehab clinic or, you know, and they sort of talked about this idea, they're like buzzwords, a bit cringeworthy was one of the terms that someone said. So I, th I think that was really interesting because it really highlighted to me that that's going to be a major barrier to treatment. If you were to call something ways to increase your self-kindness, people are not going to click on it. If they see a recruitment flyer online, they're just going to keep scrolling. So the starting point for this work for you was this review that Madeline Ferrari and colleagues had done in, in adults, yes. self-compassion interventions. And you kind of That's right. not repeated that, but you were inspired to do a, a review in young people looking at anxiety and depression. So Tell us about this active ingredients review that you did and how you did it. And did your did the evidence that you found kind of support your initial views about self-compassion? Yes. Yeah. So the previous review by Ferrari, and it was quite recent, um, you know, just in 2019, they didn't actually find, they didn't restrict age range, but they didn't find any um, interventions at that time uh, within the age range of adolescence. So, so really this seemed like an obvious question to ask, what about young people? Um, and so we had various components to the review, but essentially we did a systematic review and we had two rounds of interviews with young people. So we did a systematic review and, and whilst we were doing that review, we, we consulted with young people more on their ideas, what they thought about self-compassion and um, the intervention and, you know, things like that, what they liked about the term, didn't like, um, would it appeal to them, that kind of thing. Um, and then we summarised 
really what they'd said to us in those focus groups and interviews. And um, we also consulted with researchers, specific self-compassion researchers, asked them what they thought was different with young people, what was important, um, what were the key things they would recommend. So we asked self-compassion researchers, young people, and we did the systematic review. And then we got that all together and we summarised it. Um, and we gave it back to the young people, sent it to them and said, you know, what do you think? <laughs> Here's what you said. Here's what the researchers said. And this is what the literature said. Uh, and then we consulted with them again to get their ideas. Um, and that's really where we came up with a lot of, you know, the main themes of them not necessarily liking the terms, um, but also the things that we're interested in. Okay. Before you about the results, I'm just really interested because you're talking about working with the young people there in a particular way, you know, consulting with them, doing the review, bringing it back and asking them what they thought yes. of it. Um, how was that as a process? You know, had you done that before? And how was the way you did it and the results you found different because of that involvement, do you think? Yeah. So the um, first part of that, no, I hadn't done that before. Obviously, consulted young people before but usually just in one round of consultation not this two rounds and I think that was actually critical um, because it wouldn't have been so well informed we still would have found out interesting things and we did in that first round but it wouldn't have been so full and also they wouldn't have commented on the scientific literature we got their ideas on our summary of that uh, which I think was really informative um, so yeah I think it was a very helpful process um, so what did you find and what did they think of what you found? Yeah, I think, well, the thing, yeah, that they were kind of, they were very interested in the terms around courage and wisdom, the sort of stuff that Paul Gilbert was talking about. And he had a quote in there that we'd put in. So we, we sort of took a quote from each researcher and they really liked the way that that was described. I want to do something that's going to give me courage, but I'm not interested in stuff about self-kindness. So one of the research findings we described was um, a study that had found that um, it was decreases in sort of the self-compassion subscales about self-judgment, so decreases in self-criticism rather than increases in self-kindness that was important in predicting change in adolescence. And they really hooked into that. Quite a few young people in these focus groups were really mentioning that, that that was really interesting. They were specifically interested in that result. Um, and specifically talked about liking this idea of um, courage, um, wisdom, those sorts of terms, and really interested in decreasing self-criticism as opposed to increasing self-kindness. So it was that would they were the things that they really emphasised to us. Interesting. Um, and what does the yeah. evidence itself say about the relationship between self-criticism and self-compassion and anxiety and depression in young people? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, this was interesting because they really sort of keyed into this. I would say it was one study. It was, you know, a good size study and it was a mediation study. Um, you know, I think that there's a very clear relationship between self-compassion, like lower self-compassion and higher anxiety and depression, and that's moderated and mediated by various different constructs, including this self-criticism or self-judgment. So, you know, I think... Um, it's quite an intuitive finding that the more self-critical, um, the higher your anxiety and depression. Um, and I don't think that's just in the self-compassion literature. Of course, that's wider 
across a lot of literatures as well. Um, and, you know, is a more broad construct, isn't it? You know, that, um, that critical negative thinking towards oneself, whichever way you view it from whichever construct is going to be harmful. It's going to increase anxiety and depression. We're increasingly sort of interested in early intervention and preventative approaches. Where do you see this kind of intervention being developed and at what age do you think we could be targeting? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. We didn't find any younger age. It was adolescents and above. There wasn't any evidence in children. Um, so, you know, I think that so far the evidence base certainly for self-compassion is really sort of uh, from, you know, teens onwards, 13, 14 onwards. Um, I don't think there's any evidence that I came across so far with younger children. Um, yeah. And that's interesting and maybe surprising, isn't it? Because if you think about the evidence for anxiety early intervention, that's looking at kind of preschool yes. children now, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Researchers haven't focused on that age group, do you think? Or is it that these kinds of approaches around compassion and criticism wouldn't be a target for that age group? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it's quite complex, isn't it? You know, maybe like these ideas of how you would be um, relating to yourself and your self-esteem and things like that, or maybe, um, and maybe and the mindfulness approaches to them perhaps would be something that's m maybe more applicable to adolescents and above, but I don't know. Um, you know, it would be interesting to think how you might modify that for children. Um, certainly in the perfectionism work that we've done, we've, we've sort of done that work down to 10 years of age and we're now getting interested in younger six six years of age onwards so I think um, you know really obviously you need to start early uh, it's just about how that might be modified certainly in the self-compassion literature I'm not aware of anything yet for younger populations yeah but it does sound like a field an emerging field where there's lots yes. of answered questions still what what do you think the implications are now for future research now that this review that you've done is complete? Yeah, I think the, the thing that stood out to me is there's actually a huge literature that's looking at the link between self-compassion and anxiety and depression in, in young people. You know, there were a lot of studies in that area and I think it's a very a strong link, but what's probably more new and needs further research is the intervention work. So there were eight studies that we found within the 14 to 24 year age range. So really, I would still call that quite early <laughs> with only eight studies. Um, so more work needs to be done. And they were all face to face. There were none, no internet interventions. And that seems a completely obvious uh, area for future research, um, you know, for example, with adolescents. And, you know, it would be fairly straightforward to adapt um, the interventions online. Um, so that seems like a really obvious way to, to take the intervention forward. 